that time again. It's the Flat Out RC Podcast time, the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis, and drones. My name's Andrew Sill, coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. I'll tell you what, it's hot at the moment. It's hot. As I record this, I'm sitting in a room with the air conditioning off because it'll make too much noise for the microphone, but uh, I'm getting hot. So we'll get through this okay. We, I've got a bumper episode for you because we have one of the biggest names in model flying joining us. Jace the Ace Ducio is back in the house, in the Flat Out RC podcast house, fresh off his shift from one brand to another brand. He's now flying Flex Aviation Planes. Uh, and... Um, from Extreme Flight, so big news. So we're going to have a bit of a, a catch up with uh, with Jace the Ace Flex Innovations, not Flex Aviation. What am I talking about? I just did a quick check because I went, wait a second, what am I saying? Anyway, lot to cover in this uh, episode. So let's get into it. Let's have a look at what's happening around the traps. <laughs> last episode I fumbled through all the upcoming events and I've got myself organized this time because I, I got sent some more messages and I, I like receiving messages and helping people to promote their events and there's a whole heap happening of course the big jet events happening uh in a few weeks time I think uh, yeah when this goes live in a couple of weeks uh it's the Wang Jets event held on the Labor Day long weekend down here in a, in, in Victoria if you're into jets and you live in Australia, you know about the Wayne Jets events. 9th to the 12th of March, four days of flying, winner jet. The early bird special to get into that draw is gone. You missed the boat. February the 20th was the cutoff. But uh, there's still going to be some other raffles. Uh, Wangaratta Airport, 9th to the 12th of March. It's going to be a good event. Always is a good event. Um, I'm going to head down there on the Saturday, take a look, maybe shoot a video, take some photographs, do all that kind of thing. So hopefully the weather's good. It's not. I tried to shoot a video when in 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 bad conditions down at the Shep Mammoth flying last year and it didn't work out so well. It was okay, but uh, made the most of it. But um, Wang Jets that's coming up ninth to twelfth ninth to the twelfth of March. And then there's another event that I mentioned last time, but I think I got the date wrong. That's the the Bragg Club, the new uh, Ball Ball Radio Modelers Association Gippsland Club, uh, the club that's located on the edge of a lake. I think Blue Rock Blue Rock Lake. Uh, so they've got a runway that's. And they've got water. So they're having a big uh, launch event on the 19th of March. I think I may have said May. I can't remember. I think I said May. But it's March, 19th of March at the Bragg Club, Ball Ball Radio Modelers Association, Gippsland Incorporated. Uh, i got a bunch of information sent through from them. And I've got here one of them. And well, first of all, uh, this club's been around for a little while, but it, they haven't had a chance to have their launch fun fly event due to COVID. So that's what's happening, 19th of March, as I said. And look, great to see some of the businesses in the hobby getting behind some events. We're seeing like Albury RC models and hobbies, good good bunch of guys up there, up in Albury. They've always got, they've got stuff that a lot of other hobby shops don't have. Albury's up in the border of New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, a lot of people who are driving to Sydney always drop in. My mates always drop in. Every time they go to Sydney, they drive to Sydney for work or whatever, and they're driving, they always stop in at Albury RC and they always buy something because that's what they do. So Albury RC Models and Hobbies is sponsoring um, 
that event, I think they've donated a model, an FMS PA-18 Super Cub. Uh, I've got one of these. They're great. They're awesome flying plane. Um, my wife did tell me it's supposed to have a hole in it, so it's got some hangar rash on the cow. But uh, good plane, and that can be flown off floats as well. That's going to be a raffle prize, the first prize. So um, second prize is a $150 voucher from a business called Oz Workwear and Safety. So well done to them. Um, the, the, the Speaking of sponsorship, I've got to give these people a shout out. We've got some really good sponsors for the Wang Jets event. Dragon RC is donating a, a composite model. Uh, Land Down Under Aerosports is sponsoring. King Tech will be there. Desert Aircraft Australia and Advanced Radio, the guys at Boomer RC. So well done to them uh, for supporting the hobby. So, covered Wang Jets, 9th to the 12th of March, and then we've got the 19th of March for the Bragg Club. And then the guys down at the Southern Soaring League have really been, got in contact with me. I'm hoping to, I've got, trying to get a big gliding superstar on the show. Uh, we're going to see if we can make it happen. It'll, it'll either air before or after the event. I'll go have a look at the calendar to see when what the schedule's looking like, but it could be just after it may but anyway i'm trying to get this guy on he's coming to australia um and i'm just waiting for his response to tee up a time as, as i record this which no doubt probably by the time this is live i may have organized something but uh the southern soaring league they are inviting everybody to join them for their 50th anniversary of their um of their well, this is what i'll read it out southern soaring league of south australia would like to invite you to join us at an f5j open international gps triangle and scale aero toe week to help celebrate our club's 50th anniversary, which we held in the Malang, South Australia, from Saturday the 11th of March until Sunday the 19th, the whole week. Man, these glider guys know how to run an event the whole week, Saturday the 11th to Sunday the 19th of March. F5J Open International is from the 11th to the 13th. Aero Toe and GPS Triangle Racing is 14th to the 19th. Meet and fly with Philip Kolb, a world-class pilot. Phil will be giving talks throughout the event bit of a hint of who I'm trying to get onto the show. Starting the celebration will be the F5J Open International Competition, followed by a week of GPS and scale glider flying. How awesome does that sound? It's only one hour south from Adelaide International Airport, so easy to get to. International flights. <laughs> They've gone to great length. International flights are available into Adelaide from Singapore Airlines, Qatar Airways, Air New Zealand, Malaysia Airlines, and Fiji Airways. Uh, and, of course, plenty of ways to get to Adelaide. Uh so that's going to be an awesome event, 50 years, 50, 50th anniversary. It's as old as myself. Well, I'm turning 50 this year. Uh, they do a great job. Um, John Copeland got in touch with me, Mike O'Reilly, heavily involved as well. Um, and good to have a big name coming out to celebrate that 50th anniversary of the club, the association. Love gliding. So... Uh, Look, the best thing to do is if you're interested in that event, get, get onto the Southern Soaring League website, which I'll tell you the address now. Is it now now I'm, I thought I was organised, but I've just thought of it now. I should tell you. Well, you can do a search on Southern Soaring League and you'll probably find it, but it's it's a weird web address. I don't know how they got that. SouthernSoaringLeague.club. .club, C-L-U-B. SouthernSoaringLeague.club. If you go to their website, you'll see upcoming events. Uh, and uh, it should be on there, which is somewhere. Anyway, 
you will find it hopefully they've updated February basically go to March events it should be there so get on down so many events to go to if you haven't been to an event get on down you'll have a ball you probably want to buy more model airplanes after you've been there but it's all good fun so Wang Jets Brag Club launch and we've got the Southern Soaring League 50th anniversary glider week happening as well so plenty to sink your teeth in now what has been on my mind I've put myself on the spot because not a lot I'm actually um changing to a fortnightly schedule is really working out quite well for me um I'm sort of ahead of myself in getting guests which is good so a bit more relaxed schedule for me which is is suiting my lifestyle at the moment due to everything else that I've got going on in life so uh there's plenty like if you, if you need to get your weekly fix a lot of people haven't listened to every podcast and I, and there's some that are really really good oh, one of my favorite ones is search flying lesson with michael timms t-i-double-m-s i i loved that episode because it really taught us how to land really articulate guy and um you know of course all the fraser briggs ones uh episodes are good um you know this week's guest jace the ace ducio go and have a listen to his first one so uh but yeah it's working out okay i'm hoping to get to some events it's still pretty warm and i've been Spending my time doing some other activities. I'm doing a lot of jet skiing, to be honest. It's summertime. But uh, my, my flying season is is almost here. That's when the, the weather cools off and uh, that's when I head to the flying field. When it's hot, we'll go to the coast. When it's cooler, we'll go to the flying field. And there's so many events happening. So hopefully I'll get to a few. Actually, there's going to be more. There's more events coming in April as well. So I'll, I'll bring you up to speed with those when we get a bit closer. But plenty to sink your teeth into if you want to get out there and have a bit of a fun fly a lot of the different events that are happening. It's guest time, my favourite part of the podcast. And I'll tell you what, what a guest we have this week because, as I mentioned earlier, we have one of the, if not the best, I, I rate him as the best freestyle aerobatic pilots in the world. His name is Jace Ducia. Comes from the US. Uh, I've had him on the podcast before. I, I, I met Jace in 2018 when I was in China at a, an aerobatic event as a judge and, and Jace was a special guest. And uh, we spent a little bit of time together and um, bonded a little bit over there. And then since then as well, had a few chats. And he's a great guy. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal person and very, very dedicated to the hobby. He's, I think, 23 years of age, I think he said in the, in the interview. And he's been flying for you know since he was a kid and flying at a top level. His his aerobatics ability is just phenomenal. But there was recent news that he he moved sponsors. He was sponsored by Extreme Flight, who make um, really good planes, really good aerobatic planes. Anybody that's in the aerobatic scene knows all about Extreme Flight. And uh, he's moved to to Flex Innovations um, to fly some of their planes. And uh, so I thought, you know what? Haven't spoken to Jace for a while. Let's catch up with him uh, and see what's been happening. Talk about the move. He, he's moved towns with his family. They've gone from one end of the US to the other. So we're talking a bit about that. Uh, but he's just an all-around good guy and really enjoy having a chat. I know you will as well enjoy listening to our chat. So over to my discussion interview with Chase the Ace Ducia. Well, it's my pleasure to once again have a friend of mine all the way from the US the man that I consider to be the best freestyle aerobatics model pilot in the world, Jace the Ace Ducia. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. I mean, it's a pleasure to uh, be able to chat with you again. Uh, it's been a little while, so I'm definitely looking forward to catching up. Yeah. I, from my perspective, 
there's something, you know, we met in China in 2018 and we were with our friend Ido Segev, who's no longer with us. And I think that that trip was the last big trip that I did with Ido. And so all the people that surrounded that trip really mean a lot to me, like you and your family and Chris Hinson and, and all the other competitors that were there. So there's this, there's this bond that I have with you from afar, Jay. So I hold you in very high regard. So good to have you back. Oh, likewise. Yeah, that was... Uh... Like you said, that was a fantastic trip. Met a lot of great people and uh, something I'll never forget. And uh, it's people like you that, that made it such a, a great memory for sure. Well, it was and um, it's exactly that. It's, it's just an awesome memory. Now, Definitely. we've got a lot to talk about because we haven't caught up for a while and a lot has happened in your world. Uh, yeah, definitely. So where are you currently sitting? So I'm in our, our new shop now. Uh, in southern Louisiana, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana area, and so I'm in the shop now. Uh, we've got you know a lot of a lot of projects going on, uh, cleaning the shop up a little bit, um, transitioning a few things. So um, that's where I am right now. And uh, um, I mean, a lot's happened, like you said, and 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 uh, getting the shop assembled to uh, to operate in the the normal RC capacity that that we always have been was, was one of the things that, that we got done. So uh, we're happy with how it turned out. And uh, I mean, honestly, it came together pretty quickly. So that's where I am right now. Yeah. Well, you'll hear a few trucks in the background, which is doesn't matter. You know, yeah, it shows yeah, that, yeah. that we are alive. The, the, roads, uh, the road's right out there, but it's, it's kind of a busy road, but uh, that's all right. Not nah, doing well. Now, so <laughs> you've made the move from the north to the south, basically. You've come from Michigan. And you've moved down to Louisiana. You know, you're a you're a southern boy now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's about a eleven or twelve hundred mile move uh, from Michigan uh, down here. We're we're uh, right on the coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, you know, we border Texas and Mississippi, so uh, quite a long ways from Michigan. Uh, the weather's different. Um, people are super nice. Uh, you know, overall there's some similarities and some differences, but. Um, it, it's pretty nice so far. And, uh, uh, one of the perks is that we're able to, uh, be outside, you know, comfortably, uh, all year round now. And, and that includes some, some RC activities. Of course it does, Jason. And <laughs> the first, when, when I saw where you moved, it looks, it looks amazing. And you've got, you've actually got a little bit of space to, to fly some planes in, in your own property, haven't you? Yeah, fortunately, uh, fortunately our backyard. Um, has some space to uh, to fly some airplanes. Uh, we've got two runways, uh, one that's a little closer to the house for, for small electric stuff. It's pretty convenient. And then for the giant scale stuff, we've got another runway uh, that faces the opposite or the um, perpendicular direction. So uh, really convenient. Um, you know, it helps to uh, to be able to, to try some things out, test some things out with without having to uh, travel a little ways. Um, so that's super nice. But at the same time, there's a, a couple of great clubs around here. Uh, one that we're, that we're members with, that's about 25 minutes away. And that's a great place to fly to some awesome people. Um, they host the Cajun Huck Fest. Uh, if any of you are familiar with that event online. So uh, some great people. And uh, those people at that club are actually the ones that kind of introduced us to the area. So it's, it's pretty cool. And that's about 25 minutes away, like I said. Yeah, okay. So that would have been pretty chuffed to have you, uh, the Ducia family, turn up as, as members. 
yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a great facility, and and uh, it's cool that we're able to uh, to fly there on a normal basis. Yeah, that no, looks like a really good setup uh, that you've got there. And uh, well, you don't have these snowy winters anymore. No, nope. yeah, that's a fact. Uh, you know, it gets gets to like fifty or sixty degrees Fahrenheit, and it starts to feel cold. So, so that's when you know that you've uh, acclimated to the weather a little <laughs> bit. But <laughs> I think. Uh, I want to say it was last week or the week before, even even probably right now, uh, back up in Michigan, it's it was in the single digits and a few feet of snow. So definitely a whole different story. Oh, I know, I know. Well, it's good for model flying though. So uh, as you said, you got the all year round weather on your side. Now, there's a whole bunch of things we need to cover. You know, we're going to cover the big news about the shift to flex innovations, but before we get to that. JTA Innovations. You started your own business, uh, building some sort of uh, foamy models, aerobatic models, some um, profile foamies. Tell us a bit about JTA for those people that don't know what you're doing. Give us a bit of an explanation. Yeah, so uh, JTA Innovations. I founded that in 2019, and uh, we focus on flat foamies, uh, EPP material. Um, and uh, our foamies now, I mean, since 2019, we've, we've grown to a, a pretty good selection of different airplanes. Um, you know, we offer the power system for it, uh, some servos and propellers, and uh, that's gone really well. Um, you know, we're able to uh, uh, take advantage of our relationships with people we've met around the world and create a good dealer network with that as well. So um, it's available in, in most parts of the world right now. And uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's something a little bit, you know, change of pace. And uh, what's nice about the foamies is uh, they're available to anyone and, you know, any flying skill or experience level. So um, obviously, um, I've seen a lot of people get into the hobby, uh, being able to fly flat foamies. And, you know, that's something we continue to emphasize. And then at the same time, you know, there's some of the better pilots out there that are enjoying them so a uh, really good wide range of people are uh, uh, suitable for these foamies and from a development standpoint it's just a lot of fun you know uh, I think everyone or not everyone but a lot of people have experience you know with foam planes and messing around with designs and and putting something together so uh, it's a lot of fun from that aspect too. Well the, the range looks amazing and the, the schemes look really good as well why why do you recommend people to have these these flat profile foamy aerobatic planes yeah uh you know it, it's a good practice tool uh first and foremost uh you know they're they can bounce off the ground easily and you don't have to uh to buy a whole other airframe you just need to glue them back together at most um so good practice tool there um and you know they're from a performance standpoint uh there's some similarities and differences to like a bigger balsa plane you know you you can learn some maneuvers with them um that transition to a bigger airplane and quite honestly um in some maneuvers the foamy is a little more aggressive than a, than a bigger airplane so if you're able to learn a more aggressive maneuver with a foamy uh it might uh transition to a bigger airplane really nicely since it's a little quicker and a little more aggressive so uh but that all depends on setup um, but I think the biggest thing with a foamy, you know, is the, the low cost for a customer and uh, the fact that you don't have to replace the entire thing if you if you crash. So it's a good learning tool. They are. And uh, 
many years ago, there was a group of us used to do indoor flying with our flat foamies and and oh, I, yeah. and like you said, it, it, I saw it as a training tool that it just sharpens up your skills and your reflexes and all that kind of stuff, especially when you get old like me, Jace. You need every everything, <laughs> everything working for you. But um, no, it seems to be it seems to be doing well. Is that something that you're spending most of your days working on, JTA? Yeah, yeah. Every day there's there's always a little bit of something to do, you know. Um, and then with the flex stuff, you know, there's, um, you know, some news in the future too. But um, you know, I'm always you know trying to improve JTA and and uh, now since we offer the uh, different assembly options, you know, I'm working hard on that. So. Um, there's always something going on. Uh, always cool to uh, to talk talk to customers and and hear their feedback. So uh, yeah, always trying to uh, develop and uh, continue to improve on that for sure. Yeah, well, I think uh, honestly, I think you're doing a good job with that. And uh, even early in the year, you announced, as you were mentioning, the the different build options. Um, just give us a quick snapshot of, of what you're doing with the different build options because it's actually quite interesting. Yeah, so you know. With these foamies, uh, there can be a slight bit of intricacy with the design, um, you know, mostly from a beginner standpoint. Uh, the people who are experienced in the hobby, uh, probably not so much, but, but for beginners, you know, the, the assembly process can be a little daunting at times. So um, we've offered uh, the fully assembled uh, plug and play versions, um, you know, and that's really, you know, brought some people into it that, that probably wouldn't have purchased it before just because the building process and then for uh all of our customers uh around the united states we have the quick assembly it's called and uh we're able to box that up and ship it out um the linkages are all uh made up 100 percent of the carbon fibers pre-installed um so once you get a quick assembly uh airframe you just have to uh, glue the wing together and the top portion of the fuse and then install the electronics. So none of the carbon fiber work needs to be done. None of the linkage sizes uh, need to be adjusted. Uh, landing gear is also uh, assembled. So uh, that that cuts the uh, the build time down pretty significantly. I think uh, anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes, you can probably get a, a quick assembled airplane in the air. And that's from a beginner standpoint. So so uh, someone a little more experienced could, could probably get it done a little quicker. That's awesome. Uh, that's really, really good. Okay, got any new models in the pipeline for JTA? Yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, um, a couple of things, uh, you know, in the near future, and then a couple more, uh, a little more long term. But, um, you know, we've got a couple uh, airframes that kind of follow the path that we've been doing in the past, and then a couple of things that kind kind of change direction a little bit um very slightly though um just kind of you know new styles of airplanes but um but yeah that'll be interesting i think uh i think everyone's gonna gonna be really happy with with some of the newer projects for sure awesome that sounds like good times ahead now okay Definitely. let's let's get to the big news uh you you were known as an ambassador for Extreme Flight, and Extreme Flight make phenomenal planes. and And you played a part in oh, how many years were you involved with Extreme Flight? Uh, since two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah two thousand eleven. So since two thousand eleven. So you, you've been a key figure, and 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 as I said, a brand ambassador for for uh, for Extreme Flight. But you you recently have made the shift to 
which was big news to a different brand and you're working alongside a new team now and that's Flex yep. Innovations and uh, alongside some, some great names really when you look at the pedigree oh, of the yeah. organisation, Kike Somanzini, the, the godfather of 3D, Seth Arnold as well, a champion pilot in, in his own right. Uh, yep. how, did, how did that opportunity come about? So, um, you know, I've, I've known those guys for a long time, you know, ever since I was a little kid. And uh, so I've always, you know, kept brief communication with them. I'd see them at events and all sorts of things. And, and of course, you know, naturally, you know, being around in the industry, I'd see, uh, you know, their product releases and, and everything that they do on, on their side. And, and it was, it was kind of a, a mutual thing. You know, I, I could kind of see uh, uh, the direction that things were headed uh, from my uh, point of view. And uh, I th- think uh, Kike and everyone at Flex um, kind of uh, saw their direction of what they wanted to do in the future. And, and uh, just it's kind of a mutual, uh, mutual uh, type thing. And, and Kike uh, reached out to me and, and it kind of went from there, um, kind of took baby steps, you know, uh, initially uh, that led to this. We discussed a lot of different options, um, you know, discussed a lot of different things in the future, um, business planning and, and seeing how everything would fit in. And, and uh, you know, they, they were gracious enough to invite me uh, to their headquarters in Florida. And uh, I definitely took that opportunity and and uh, that helped a lot, you know, to, to learn about the company and, and uh, spend some time with everyone. So it was just kind of a... a a slow process uh, that we took our time on, and uh, uh, I think I think uh, so far we 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 did it, we handled it the correct way, and and it's been really smooth. Yeah, it looks like it. Now, what's your role exactly going to be with Flex? So uh, you know everything that that people have seen me do in the past, from the flying standpoint, uh, flying at events and, and that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to continue to do the same as that. Uh, from a flying standpoint, um, and then taking a, a bit of a deeper dive into uh, development, um, you know, testing, design, uh, those elements, um, and then pretty much anything else um, to help out. Uh, done a little bit of the marketing, uh, some social media stuff, um, and then, you know, in the future, uh, maybe even some, you know, customer service at events, uh, helping out at events, just just a little bit of everything. I think, uh, you know, whatever I can do to help out. Um, but if anything that from a big picture standpoint, uh, it's just basically, you know, all that I have been doing plus a little more and, uh, and then we'll see, see where it goes from there. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan, a sensible, sensible sort of approach too. So we, when we look at the Flex Innovations brand and, and the range of models of, of course they've got uh some aerobatic models their, their range isn't uh extensive at this point in time like i think when it comes to large-scale aerobatics I, I think i counted two um in the 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 member i think and an edge i think that's coming out yep they've got the uh, the new edge is the 120 cc and it's uh the first uh 120 cc monoplane yeah that yeah. edge looks phenomenal yeah yeah you know, everyone over there did a did a fantastic job. Obviously, I, I didn't uh, play any role in the development of that. But, um, you know, honestly, there's not a whole lot I would have changed on it because 
you know, it looks awesome. The schemes are fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, I got to fly the prototype briefly uh, during my visit, and uh, and uh, that just solidified that I'm really excited to uh, get one and get it set up and uh, fly for uh, 2023. Yeah, that's going to be good. So um, so it looks like there will be some more aerobatic models potentially coming out uh, from, from Flex then. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I think uh, w- with this transition, uh, naturally everyone is expecting, you know, a lot of aerobatic airplanes. Um, you know, I think the trajectory of the designs and stuff, I think what everyone would predict uh, is probably, you know, going to come true. And then, you know, some aspects that a lot of guys probably won't predict too. So um, there's definitely a lot in the future. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, I think everyone's really going to, uh, going to enjoy, uh, viewing the process for sure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, realistically, you could have flown for anyone, like any, any brand would, would happily have you on their team. Uh, were you approached by other, other brands, you know, the pilot RCs of the world, the, the Skywing keeps on popping up now, the Skywing name sort of spreading across the globe as well. You know, did you have any other options that were put in front of you? Yeah, there were there were definitely some other options. You know, it's uh, um, definitely not a easy decision, not a uh, a quick decision. You definitely want to take a lot of time to think about it. Uh, there were some other options, um, but overall, um, both short term and long term, uh, this is this is the best option. Um, you know, you can't really uh, think about what's you know uh, short term and and right ahead in front of you, you, you got to think about long-term and, and, uh, so I considered everything. And I think for, for both short and long-term, this is definitely the best option. And, uh, I think, uh, mutually the mutual admiration, you know, between everyone in the company, I think is, uh, is the strongest, uh, that it could possibly be for sure. I think it's a great move really, um, from a, from a business standpoint, a marketing standpoint to have someone like you attached to, to the flex brand uh, uh, you know i wrote a little note here that you bring the show to the show that <laughs> that that the ability to have a brand ambassador like yourself that you know people will see a video of you flying and they don't realize that that's actually there's work that goes into producing a video it's not just jace go and fly someone has to film it someone has to edit it um you know someone has to post it and all the other bits and pieces that you need to do and uh, I think that's where you probably do it better than anybody else in the game, especially that you know, really anybody that, that when it comes to the production of content to promote the brand outside of turning up to an event and flying is probably the best in the world and, and, a, and a leader um, for sure. So um, this is my opinion. But I think it's it's a very good. Movie. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, but just you did the work. I didn't. I just sat here as a bystander down here in Australia. But but uh, but yeah, I think I think it's it's a really good move. And, and it's I was saying to you just before we got on air how there's a Flex Innovations, really good Flex Innovations dealer down here in Australia in Model Flight, and uh, so looking forward to seeing um, what they've got going. And you, you're still a Horizon Hobby team member as well, aren't you? Yep, yep, that's correct. You know, I'll still be running uh, the Spectrum lineup, Spectrum radio, Spectrum receiver, that sort of thing. Um, I've been a part of Team Horizon since 2012, and 
you know, they, they've done a lot of developing since then. Um, they've kept up with the times and innovated. Um, so I'm really comfortable with their equipment. Um, and so I think, you know, being able to uh, continue to work with them kind of smoothens the transition out for sure. You know, there's a good, uh, good level of comfortability and, um, that goes along with that. So, uh, I think, I think that's fantastic for sure. Well, I'm a Spectrum fan. I've been flying Spectrum for since 2007, since their, their first DX7 came out. Uh, what what, yeah. what transmitter are you actually using now? Uh, right now, I'm using a couple of them. Um, I've got the IX20 for uh, the majority of my giant scale airplanes. I just picked up the new IX14. Uh, I've been having fun with that, flying some electric planes, uh, some of the JTA foamies. I've been flying with that radio. It's a fantastic radio. Um, I mean, I would definitely run it on any of my giant scale planes, but I just decided to uh, use the IX-20 for that. But um, the IX-14 is, is fantastic. I put the uh, the Flex Yak-55 on that radio. I've been doing some flying with it. So, um, you know, there's, it's basically the same thing as the 20 as far as basic uh, function goes. Um, the feel is a little bit different, but, but not a whole lot. Um, so I've been using those two radios. I still have some of my older Spectrum radios, but obviously don't use those quite as much. Um, so yeah, the, the IX radios are, are the majority of what I use. And uh, you know how there's always brand uh, fanboys for different brands, right? That Futaba people say that Futaba is better than everything else, and the and the Jetty people say, oh, but our system's better. From your perspective, flying Spectrum, have you had any problems mm -hmm. with Spectrum flying Spectrum radios? Honestly, uh, you know, knock on wood, um, I haven't had any issues. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of the radio brands out there, I mean, in 2023, you know, technology's come a long ways. I think there's a lot of uh, reliable brands out there. Um, and, you know, it kind of falls into the hands of setup at, at some point. You know, you got to make sure you follow the manufacturer's recommendations, uh, install everything. Uh, as properly as possible and you know with the technology out there nowadays if you do that then I think that's really going to limit issues uh, for sure but yeah knock on wood I, I haven't had any problems yeah I agree with your sentiment that they're all pretty good I always I've got a philosophy and Definitely. I always say that if there was a, a radio brand that was having significant problems we'd all know about it wouldn't we it'd be we'd be going yeah. to a field and going oh there's another one yep they've got a problem but we just don't see that. We I don't see any brand falling out of the sky, really. Not anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, um, this goes for a lot of brands, but you know, Spectrum specifically, they've they've got a lot of customers, and uh, you know, every now and then you'll see something online, but uh, you know, with the amount of customers that they have, and not hearing as much as you do, uh, I think that's 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 a pretty good sign for sure. That is true. Now, a question without notice because I was at an iMac event a, f uh, a week ago and there was a lot of discussion mm -hmm. around um, snap rates, you know, when you can just pin the corners of the sticks and, and it changes rates automatically, which I'm not sure whether yeah. the Spectrum radios do it. Maybe the iX20 may, may do it. When you fly a snap, are you using any computer trickery or are you just going to, you know, what's your preference? Yeah, for... Uh for my flying, you know, with, with the majority of the 3D airplanes that I fly, um, um, it's just all one flight mode. Um, 
I run about anywhere from 45 to 55 percent expo, usually depending on the airplane and control surface. But uh, there, I, I don't flip any switches for snaps or any tumbling maneuvers or anything. Uh, you know, iMac. Uh, it, you know, people are really uh, people have different preferences for iMac. So uh, I think if you're going to see a lot of those different modes and and uh, rates and everything, it will be an iMac. And uh, that depends on the airplane, too, and, and the pilot. But uh, for me personally, I just, uh, for, for my flying style and what I do, I, I don't have any flight modes or any switches like that. Well, you don't need it because you just get straight into it from, from the get-go. So, <laughs> you know, you don't have time for flicking rates and stuff like that. I, 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 it's really interesting that, and, and I don't know, you're, you're a pretty humble guy, but having been around that 3D scene for, for a while now, I've seen that evolution of what we used to call the low and slow 3D flying. And then there's this guy called Jace Ducey that came about and I think reinvented uh, and pushed 3D flying ahead, which I des- I categorize it as a more aggressive style of 3D. It's a bit, it's faster. Roll rates are just phenomenal. But the, the, thing sure. that, the thing that you've always been able to do is be extremely precise, that it just blows my mind how precise you can be when flying these aggressive manoeuvres. Has that always yeah. been the philosophy of yours, is to just keep things neat and tidy no matter what you're doing? Definitely that's the goal. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, when I was a kid I kind of came from a, from an IMAX style background a little bit. Um, and the pilots that, you know, I considered mentors and looked up to always focused on the precision stuff. So, um, you know, I'm always trying to, to come up with, you know, newer crazy stuff too. Uh, but sometimes that kind of takes the precision away a little bit. So I spent a lot of time, you know, just, uh, trying to get comfortable with whatever, uh, maneuvers I do. And then the execution and precision kind of, falls into place once you kind of know the fundamentals that you're, you're going for uh, with the maneuver. Um, and you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of pilots that do that. Um, you kind of see the, uh, the precision starting to come back a little bit. Uh, I think there's a, a period where, you know, with the XA flying, it was, it was kind of, uh, just a lot of stick banging and stuff. But I think, think nowadays you're starting to see, uh, some more precision being implemented into it. And, uh, a uh, couple, couple more different flying styles too. But I think uh, as far as precision and execution goes, that that all boils down to uh, how comfortable you are, uh, how comfortable you are with the airplane, um, and how confident you are too. And uh, if you're comfortable and confident with it, then uh, chances are it'll it'll be executed pretty cleanly. When I, I often talk about how creating a level of expectation in your mind as how the plane should look and how that yeah. drives you to 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 keep on pushing to improve how hard yeah, are you yeah, on yourself exactly. how hard are you on yourself when it comes to seeing what you're seeing you know when you put some sticking puts in and you know do you really strive and keep on striving to to improve the precision of the different maneuvers definitely yeah you know i, I tried to uh you know, make sure all the, the transitions are clean and, and things aren't forced and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, that's one thing. The more you fly, um, you make a flight and then you kind of remember what worked and what didn't work. And, 
um, it kind of naturally, you kind of remember it. And so when you reach that point in another flight, you kind of remember, oh, it, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't like this aspect as much, so better try something else. But um, yeah, I, I try to work pretty hard at it. You know, I've learned not to get uh, super frustrated with it, but um, um, that's, that's something I definitely focus on is, is uh, kind of the, the, the fluidity of the maneuvers and, and the presentation and, and how they're executed for sure. We've seen a lot of pilots you know, you know, good aerobatic pilots come and go. People that uh, in their younger years, they develop their skills, they compete on the on the world stage, do really, really well. And then often they'll lose motivation and then move on to other things, whether it be full-size flying or careers and that, and that kind of stuff. You, sure. you, you seem to buck that trend a bit because I know you've got a great passion for, for flying, but how do you keep that motivation level up? Yeah, you know... Um the motiv the motivation, passion, and the inspiration. It's uh, it's not difficult to keep. You know, it's it's definitely a big big passion of mine. I think the most difficult part is you know just trying to to balance it with with everything else in life. You know, um, you know this. Um, it's not you know, like you said, a lot of people uh, can't stick with it forever. Uh, you know, they gotta they gotta try something else out. But I think for me, it's the passion that. Um, just kind of take it day by day and, and year by year and, and try to figure out how to make it work. So, um, you know, it's, it's something that even if I were to do something else, I'd, I'd still have it on my mind a little bit. So, so the passion's still there and, and that's kind of where the motivation comes from. Yeah, I can't see you slowing down anytime soon. But it's interesting, like you said, uh, people's lives change as you get older. You got more responsibilities and all that kind of stuff, and it's harder Definitely. to yeah. harder to find the time to spend a lot of time at the flying field. But the, the the foundations that you've built with your flying is phenomenal. Are there more maneuvers that you can invent? Oh, definitely. I think uh, you know the the sky's the limit. Um, you know, you see. You go to an event, you see someone do something a little bit different, and that might give you another idea. Um, you know, you mess around in the flight simulator with a foamy, you know, something like that. Like a foamy flies a little bit different than a bigger airplane, so you kind of find out uh, what that can do, and you try to uh, implement it into a, a bigger airplane. But, um, yeah, I think sky's the limit. Um, you know, five years ago, uh, we thought that we pretty much – uh, maxed everything out, but I mean, just take a look at what we've done since then. So, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what the future brings. And I think there's some, uh, future, future design, um, techniques that'll be interesting to see, uh, how that, uh, transitions into a flying style or any new maneuvers too. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I think, um, you know, Ido Segev said to me that the way that you fly wasn't possible 10 years ago because the, the, the planes weren't there. That, you know, yeah. uh, I was talking about this the other day, actually, and I, and I do have to ask a question because I've got a question from a, a friend of mine about your thoughts on composite planes that uh, we've seen the shift to, to pr predominantly 100, 120cc size balsa planes that are being used not only in, in freestyle aerobatics, but also in, in IMAC, especially down here in Australia, um, you know, the extreme flight lasers, just every man and his dog's got an extreme flight laser uh, at the IMAC field. You know, what are your thoughts on, on composite models versus balsa? 
Yeah, I think there's been uh, some advancements in technology there to uh, to help shave the weight a little bit, um, and then you know still keep the structure up. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with with the newer uh, newer composite planes, um, but I think you know it, it goes both ways. Even with the balsa airplanes, I still think there's some uh, some weight improvements that are possible uh, and some structure improvements that are possible. So I think both. Uh, composite and the balsa airplanes uh, haven't reached their max potential yet. Um, I've even seen some airplanes that are hybrid, you know, they, they kind of take advantage of the best of both worlds. Obviously, from a production standpoint, um, uh, the composite stuff is uh, a little bit more of an investment for sure. Um, so uh, with production, it, you kind of got to consider that. But, I've, you know, I've seen uh, some people, you know, in different parts of the world here in the U.S. and other parts of the world that um, kind of done their their one off type deal and come up with some pretty cool stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think uh, a lot of companies out there have to uh, find a balance between how much it costs them to uh, to produce an airplane and, uh, you know, how high performance they can get it with uh, different technologies and advancements. Yeah, that's true. Now, the flex range is is pretty broad. You know, they've got some jets and foamies, of course, and and aerobatic planes. You, do you think you'll dabble in some of their other products? You know, you think you'll get you have a few few guys of some jet models as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, uh, going to be trying out the uh, FlexJet Pro, um, you know, in the near future. So, so that'll be a fun airplane. Um, and then they've got some. Uh, other airplanes like the RV-8, um, Cessna, uh, to name a few of them, and then a couple other cool stuff that's in development right now. So I'll definitely be playing around with that stuff, um, you know. And at the end of the day, they've got some stuff that it's not, you know, based off a 3D airplane, but are still uh, pretty darn capable too. So so that'll be fun for sure. Yeah, it'd be good. You've got, you've got you know, I suppose, a broader range now of models that you can dabble with. But we know that, you know, the aerobatics thing is still going to be your core focus, but uh, what? You know, there's a lot of kids that aspire to be a sponsored pilot. What are the realities of being a sponsored pilot? Because you know, is it as good as what it what everyone thinks it is? Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely uh, you know the pros and cons to it. I think overall, uh, from a mindset standpoint, um, it doesn't change a whole lot. You know, you still gotta still gotta work just as hard. Uh, still got to put, you know, just a bunch of time and effort into it. Um, you know, when you think of a sponsorship uh, from a uh, business and company standpoint, um, you know, about, you know, all that they can handle is, you know, to uh, help with the, the product cost. So, um, but at the same time, in order to become a sponsored pilot, in order to continue to be a sponsored pilot, uh, you still have to invest a lot of money. Uh, you know, if you're on a sponsored team, you probably have to uh, travel a lot more than than if you were not sponsored. Uh, spend a lot more time for for promotion, and and, and in turn, that's where the uh, the product cost is is helped out a little bit. But you know, I think uh, there's a certain level of pride uh, to be able to represent. Uh, the companies that you really believe in, you really believe in the products and the people behind it. So that's that's one of the best perks. Um, 
you know, a lot of people might think, oh, you know, from a financial standpoint, you're getting a big break. In all honesty, from a financial standpoint, uh, you're probably putting more money into it. But um, the passion, I think, is higher uh, because you're able to represent the, the brands and the people that you believe in. Um, and it kind of gives, you know, more opportunities, probably, you know, being able to travel a little bit more. Uh, it's always a great thing. So uh, there's some pros and cons. Uh, but all in all, um, you know, some people uh, may be interested in it. And then some people may like to, uh, you know, keep keep the hobby a little more chill. So um, it's not for everyone. But the people who are really passionate about it, I think it's, I think it's a great opportunity. Well, I use the term brand ambassador a lot when I when I when I think of you, and I think uh, there aren't many people that work as hard for their for their brands as you do. Uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, you've gone international with your with your brand, the Jace brand, and you've been, you know, you've flown in I think Brazil, uh, China, uh, Dubai. I think you were over in Dubai as well, weren't you? Um, yeah, yep, that's that's a great place to go visit for sure. I've never been, and I'd love to go. I think it'd be, be and I'd love to go to a, a model flying event or something. There, I think it'd be, it'd be wonderful. But you've really, oh, yeah. you've really, I, I can't think of anybody else. You know, even when we talk about the Horizon Hobby Team, which which I did approach them and say, "Can I be a team member?" And they said, "No, they don't have any team members outside of the US." But you know, with people like yourself that can 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 go international and the effort that you make is massive because it's it's not just you know you'll turn up you'll you'll shoot some videos there you'll produce some nice sort of marketing material and you know in 2018 in china from my perspective as as a as a person just went there to judge um that event was the biggest event because there was this one person called jace ducia turning up that everybody wanted <laughs> to see so you know from a business standpoint that is just you know phenomenal but yeah there's there's so much work that you and your family put into getting to that level and uh, i think that a lot of young people can see it as the glitz and glamour of uh, being a sponsored pilot but there's just so much work and obligation that you have to the brand to be in that position Definitely. and and even just to get the opportunity to get that thing i was itching when I, I used to have a magazine the flat out rc magazine and i used to get given some free products and people go oh, it'd be great you get free products i said yeah but i had to work for it it was actually cheaper for me to go and buy the product <laughs> than get given the product for free and then have to pay for the printing of the article that was right. you know to promote the thing so it was it was all you know it seemed wonderful but yeah there's this other side to it as as you would well know now speaking of uh traveling and 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 plans and things like that what are your 2023 plans as far as competitions and events yeah so for 2023 um the competition standpoint i think it's going to be pretty slow um i don't think there's a whole lot that's planned honestly i think uh we're going to try to hit the normal events like joe and all uh, possibly Seth, uh, the electric event in Georgia with the Flex team. Um, from an international standpoint, there's a couple of possibilities, but nothing set in stone. Um, you know, for for being February, that's that's probably normal. You know, um, not a whole lot gets set in stone until probably like a month or two before the event pops up. So as we get closer into the spring and the summer, there's probably going to be some more opportunities that come up in the fall. Um, but we've got a couple uh, lo more local events. Um, you know, our, our club here the, does the Cajun Hug Fest, and, and that's an event that's grown uh, quite a bit. So uh, as of right now, the immediate plans, uh, Joan All is probably the biggest one for sure. 
Well, I know there's a pretty big Australian contingent coming across this year. So, nice. Uh, uh, headed up by the Gal family that you, that you know. Uh, I think yeah. they're, they're trying to get a whole bunch of people to, to, to head over there. So uh, it's still on my bucket list to get over there. I don't know whether it's going to happen this year, but uh, well, when is it? It's, it's in May, isn't it? It is. I believe it's the second week of May. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, you know when you're when you're a grown up man like myself and have to work all the time, it's it's hard to find the time to fly across to the US. Oh it's, yeah, it's not yeah. just around the corner. You know, we're well <laughs> as we record this, it's what it's it, it's it's nine forty one a.m. my time on a Friday, and what, what's it your time? About four forty one p.m. or something like that. Yep, yep, four forty one. Yeah, a it's, day it's, behind it's though. A long- Long flight for sure. Oh, you got to come down. Look, we'll look after you. We know that there's plenty of people down here that uh, would love to have you down. So uh, we'll keep on trying to make awesome. make that happen. Bring some. We'll get some flex sure. planes built up, and uh, off we go. That'd be awesome. Okay, yeah, I'd love to. We've seen uh, in recent years the rise of some other um, some you know new names in the aerobatic uh, scene. Who are some of the people that that you think are doing a great job in that aerobatic? Uh, aerobatic competitions or aerobatic scene yeah you know there's uh um you know there's a lot of a lot of the new names like you said a lot of the uh the familiar faces i think one thing i'd like to point out is is when i went to uh france last year for the fxfc you know they had 40 pilots and i was able to uh meet a bunch of different people and uh um see a lot of different people fly that i hadn't seen fly before and and uh that was really impressive. I think, I think in Europe they have uh, some pretty good fundamentals as far as flying and flying style goes. You know, you could see, you know, all the way down the pack that that everyone was was focused on uh, some precision flying and and uh, tried to make uh, a really good mix of different types of music. So, I think the fundamentals were were really good over there. You know, forty pilots. I it's hard to name them all, but um, I think. Uh, in, in the big picture, I was really impressed, uh, you know, when I had that opportunity to go over there and, and see uh, uh, some of the people. And, and you know, there's a couple of, of really young pilots, too, that, that were pretty impressive. So I'm sure in the next few years, you'll, you'll probably hear them, too. Actually, now that you mentioned the, the, the trip to France, I could tell that you really had a good time there. You could just see by the look on your face in the photos and the videos and stuff that that was a special experience for you. Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something I've always wanted to do is to uh, go over in Europe and and compete in a freestyle contest like the FXFC. Um, so that was a great opportunity. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it was it was well worth it. And I wouldn't have changed uh, any of that. And uh, it, it was a great experience for sure. You know, met a lot of people. Uh, it was a great competition experience uh to see the different styles the different airplanes and uh uh you know there's even some people there that i was able to meet that i had met yet but have looked up to for a really long time so it was pretty cool and who knows maybe in the future i'll be able to do something similar to that again yeah you will for sure you're still young jace how old are you now i'm 23 23 (laughs) still old enough to be your father well, I think I am your parents' age. So, but um, yeah, no, you, you're doing great things. You know, you're doing great things, and 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 the opportunities that you had are really opportunities that you've earned through through all the hard work that you put in. Now, 
a lot of people look at 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 your planes and you know you there's not nobody stresses planes more than you do like when i saw you fly in china i could hear the airframe working hard <laughs> you know your mum was standing next to me at one point and said tell him to land he's going crazy <laughs> i've always impressed like when you look inside one of your planes it's just a very simple simple sort of setup with the, i'm yeah. talking about your, your 120 cc gases here uh for sure is that your philosophy just keep it simple yeah definitely you know there's there's not a whole lot of uh points of failure there um you know the the basic setup that I currently run for 120 cc airplane is a power safe receiver, uh, two uh, redundant receiver batteries, and uh, you know one ignition switch that that runs off the receiver itself, and then then all of the uh, servos directly into the power safe receiver. So uh, it's pretty simple, you know, no uh, additional power distribution or regulators or anything like that. Um, the servos are running all on uh, high voltage, unregulated, uh, right off the receiver and receiver batteries. So, um, yeah, I, I like to keep it simple for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them being, like I just mentioned, you know, not a whole lot of points of failure. And then also weight, too. You know, the more things you, you put into the airplane, it's going to affect the performance. So we, we try to keep a, a, the airplane lightest as possible to uh to get the best uh possible performance for sure what size flight packs are you using for your receivers i usually run uh between 2000 and, and 2500 um in that range uh you, you could go lighter than that i could go down to like a 15 or 1800 probably safely um and get a flight but with the 2500s or so that i run i can run uh, two or three flights and then swap them out what battery packs are you using? Lipos or? Uh, yep, yep, lipos, uh, two cell uh, 2500s. Have you ever played around with the lithium ion packs? Because everyone's raving about them. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, um, I just kind of felt the lipos are not only a little more mainstream, uh, probably a little safer for, for this setup. And uh, and now I'm, I've grown to be really comfortable with it, with that setup. Yeah, oh, well, I've got the same setup as you, so I'm, awesome. I, I'm using. <laughs> I, well, you know, look, Jace, you and I, are, you know, the greatest in the industry. But um, the <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I use lipos on my my models um, uh, as well. Just you know, and un, unregulated, the servos can yeah. handle them nowadays. Are you still working with MKS exactly. servos? Yep, yep. I'm uh, still running the MKS stuff. Uh, the majority of my giant scale airplanes right now have the uh, 3850 servos in them. Um, and uh, so those have been running really good. I think uh, speed wise, they're about 0.1. So speed's pretty standard. Uh, and then uh, torque on those are about 800, 750 or 800, something like that. Um, and then the third, the 3A isn't also a, a really good option. It's a little quicker a little less torque so that's all personal preference what about uh your servo arms what kind of length are you running on those so uh for the ailerons um i usually run um like a one and a half inch arm or one and three quarter inch arm at, at the uh, one and a quarter hole on the servo arm uh, that seems to work pretty good to uh to get good efficiency uh, on the ailerons i don't max out the uh 
physical travel, you know, bevel to bevel, uh, that hurts performance. So um, deflection uh, will be like 37 or 38 degrees. So you don't need a lot of travel. Um, so that's why we're, we run them at uh, an inch and a quarter. And in the radio, you're still able to, uh, to get 37 or 38 degrees. And then for the elevators and rudder, uh, depending on the airplane, uh, it's usually inch and three quarter to two inches um, for the servo arms. The elevator, um, I try to uh, try to get as much as possible um, on the equal left and right side. Um, up and down can vary a little bit. Um, you know, you want to keep it somewhat close, but the the up travel uh, doesn't have to be the same as the down travel for me. So I just try to make sure that the the left side and the right side are matched. And then the rudder, uh, similar uh, concept, um, you know, as much as possible uh, mechanically to where nothing's rubbing or, or binding or anything. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know often you see in the manuals with these planes, they, they recommend, say, two-inch arms, and people go and grab the two-inch arm, put them on the ailerons, and then say, gee, this plane rolls really fast. It's like, yeah, well... <laughs> They're barn doors, uh, these ailerons, so you, you can dial it back a bit. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, if, if Jay's do, do see the best in the world, doesn't need that throw, then I don't think anybody else in the world. And the way that you can roll a plane, the rifle rolls and things like that is just phenomenal. So I don't think roll rate is, is too much of a concern for you. You don't, I don't think you need more, do you? Yeah, the, uh, you know, as far as roll rate goes, you know, aerodynamically, um, most of the current designs, when I say 37 and 38 degrees, that's about the max, um, aerodynamic roll rate you can achieve at a high speed. Um, if you increase the throw to like, let's say 50 degrees or something crazy like that, it may pick up in post all maneuvers, uh, like low and slow 3d, the roll rate may pick, may pick up a little bit. But if you have uh, 50 degrees on the ailerons, for example, and then try a high-speed rifle roll, it's actually going to roll slower than at the 37 or 38 uh, because it basically turns into an air brake. So uh, that, that's that's why I run uh, that amount of throw. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned your expo rates, which I was surprised. It's sort of, yeah. you know, again, lower than, than, say, what a manual often would say, but... I, I did learn this through through Edo as well that he didn't use a lot of expo, and I think that's a consequence of improvement of skill that you want that response, um, and you know what that mushiness that you know a lot of expo can provide. So to me, it sort of makes um, makes a lot of sense that you, you, you expo figures are, are, are a fair bit lower. You're remote too, flight. Yeah, that's all personal preference. Um, but but like you said, I. A lot of the uh, higher speed precision stuff, I'm just used to not moving the stick a whole lot. So um, some people like to move it more for like a high speed rolling circle or something like that. But um, that's kind of kind of where I found the expo to be the most comfortable. And that's the thing. I think sometimes it is personal preference as well. Do you do you find like I, I find as a pilot, I'm my my movements, my natural body movements aren't generally very precise i'm a squid 
Do you find <laughs> though that say with your natural body movements that you know you've got that dexterity of that precision in your fingers and in in your body movements? Um, like when I'm flying. Yeah, yeah, when you're flying. Yeah, I think honestly, uh, it's hard to say. I haven't thought about it a whole lot, but I would say overall, probably don't don't move a whole lot. Um, I think I've um, I fly you know, with thumbs, I don't pincture anything. Um, and I, I kind of, I found that I'll hold the radio a little higher than maybe what some other people would. And, uh, like I said, I fly thumbs, but other than that, I, I don't think I move a whole lot. Um, I think, uh, I stay, stay pretty still, but who knows? Maybe maybe I'm doing something that I don't even notice. <laughs> no, are you, are you, do, you use a, do you use a neck strap or a tray? Or you're not using a tray, I know yeah. that. But use neck strap. Yeah, I, I yeah I prefer neck strap. Um, it's just uh, you know kind of takes the the weight off the radio a little bit. Um, that's the biggest thing. Just keeps it feeling light. Yeah, I went to I moved to a tray because okay. I again because. I'm a squid and I found that the tray and I have it relatively high as well. It gave me a stable platform and I pinch. Yeah. So yeah, I'm chasing, I'm trying to have to, 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 to just narrow down the opportunity for me to, to overuse the sticks kind of thing. Um, you know, and I found when I was using a neck strap, I'd move the transmitter. It would move in my hands, the kind of thing I'd be rotating and stuff like that. So when I put it on the tray, it sort of, helped helped me personally a fair bit so uh yeah I've, I've seen some people do uh you know some pretty unique stuff for sure um but you know from a i would say you know for people that pinch you see a lot of them run the trays and i think uh it seems to help them out a little bit too and it, it depends on uh, radio style too you know some people like uh shorter stick length than others or a taller stick length so it's uh, it's always interesting to see uh, the different preferences out of the flying field. Yeah, how much trial and error have you gone through to sort of find what suits you? Uh, well, I've I've always flown thumbs uh, since the very beginning. Uh, it's just kind of a natural thing. Uh, for the longest time when I started out, I didn't run a neck strap. Um, I would you know just fly thumbs and, and that's it. And uh, I think. Probably 11 or 12 years ago, I, I started flying a neck strap. Um, it's just something I tried. It took a little bit of getting used to, um, but it's one of those things. While I was getting used to it, I went back and tried the original style, and, and the radio just felt too heavy. Uh, so over time, I just kind of naturally uh, transitioned to neck strap. Um, I don't like to have it too high, um, but... I think it's, it's had a pretty comfortable adjustment, yeah. but over overall, not not a whole lot of trial and error. I've, I've tried the pinching before, but uh, I've my fingers always get uh, tangled up with the corner of the the radio <laughs> or something. So that doesn't work out. Too yeah, good. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you, the, the way you have to hold is quite different now. I've, I've reached out to a few friends of mine and said, "Who's what? Who's got some questions for Jason?" and and some of them are stupid, like um, uh, there's a guy down here by the name of Brad Worm, Wormy, who said, um, 
ask him why he doesn't have a mullet. That's because Jace is an idiot like you, Brad. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep those questions out. But one of the good questions came from a guy by the name of Darcy Wilson, who's a, who's a young freestyler down here, and he said, what is the one thing that has improved your flying the most? Um, you know, that's hard to pinpoint because, honestly, there's, there's a combination of a lot of things. Um, I would think if I had to say one thing, it would probably have to be you know, when it started at, at the uh, at the roots of when I started flying, just just having the different inspirations. And, uh, you know, when I would watch uh, some of the top pilots fly, you know, when I was getting started, I picked up on their fundamentals and their flying styles a little bit. So, I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for them, there wouldn't be a starting point. So um, I would say that's definitely the biggest single thing. Uh, and, you know, since then, it's been a combination of a lot of things to, to help improve. Um, but I think if there's one single thing. I, I got to look at the starting point and the and the root cause of it all. And that has to be being able to uh, to watch uh, other pilots fly and being able to uh, pick up on their fundamentals and flying styles. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. I was I'm into guitar playing as many aero modelers are. And you know your friend Chris Hinson's a, a great guitarist from, and but yeah. there was a, a guy Steve Lukather and Steve Lukather was from the band Toto and Steve Lukather had played on you know he played on Michael Jackson albums you know that's him playing Beat It and Thriller and all those kind of things so he's a session musician as well and and he was saying you know someone asked him a question about you know guitar and all that kind of stuff and and he said that the number one thing is you learn off other people. And and originally, and you know, when you start out, you start learning other people's songs, yeah. And then after a while, that morphs into your own style. And I think exactly. there's, you know, if we had to sit down with a blank sheet of paper and work out how to do three D flying, it'd be pretty hard. You know, we can go to see people like you know, Kiko Somanzini, and go, okay, you can hover a plane. Well, there's one. Let's see if I can hover a plane. And I think now, yeah. you know, then we we it keeps on progressing with all these different people that have come through through the ranks, and you know, um, you know, Dan Holman and, uh, and you know uh, Joe Smith, then uh, Jace Ducia, that there's almost like a benchmark, and then everybody learns that and then moves on, and so we're seeing everything everything sort of advance, but it does start from copying other people well it was funny in china when exactly people, yeah. in, remember when we were in china when people had to do their freestyle routines they'd be stealing your music or stealing your maneuvers <laughs> there was a guy yeah. actually, the, the year after when i went back to china after in 2019 there was a young guy there that was phenomenal at rifle rolls like this kid he was probably 13 12 or 13 and and for a four minute routine about three and a half minutes of it was just rifle rolls <laughs> right and we, he was pretty. We gave him a reasonable score, but his, I was talking to his dad after, and he goes, "Oh yeah, a bit disappointed that we came second or something like that." And I said, "Look, what you need to do is just have a bit of diversity in the flight. You can't just exactly. do rifle rolls." And his words were to me, "But that's what people like to see." And I went, "Jace Ducia," and <laughs> but Jace Ducia doesn't do that. You don't do a whole four minute routine of rifle rolls. It's it's you know there's a ten no. second period maybe of rifle rolls maximum, but um but yeah but in a way it shows no. you the influence that you had on people that that they that he thought that's what people wanted to see, 
I'm like, yeah, well, we actually want to see a bit more light and shade in the flight, not just, you know, exactly. for, for four minutes <laughs> kind of thing. But I'll tell you what, Jay-Z was really good at doing them. He was phenomenal at doing oh, I, I bet, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't think I can quite rifle roll like how I did when I was like 13 or 14 years old. I think, I think in that age range, the, the reflexes are like on point. So listen to you. Now you're reminiscing about your younger years and losing reflexes. You're starting to sound like an old man down at the field. Like back when I was younger, I used to be able to do this, but I can't keep up with the young kids anymore. Don't give me that, Chase. You're still a legend. <laughs> but you know what I always say? I say to them, my, my young friends, I said, Build the, you build the foundations when you're young and they'll stay with you at some level throughout throughout your flying and modeling career. Even, you know, there's, there's a guy down here in Australia who's in his 80s and he flies 3D. His name is Lawrence Lowe. He, he's originally from Hong Kong and Lawrence loves flying 3D and he's like 80-something. And I've met him and he's, he's the craziest guy I could ever meet. But um, his awesome. nickname is Lawrence Fly Low. But uh, he, um, but you can do it. You can do it. You might not, yeah, you might not rifle roll as fast, but there's still precision in those hands that, 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 that you know, it's been ingrained like concrete. Yeah. You know, I don't think you're ever too old to, to learn this stuff, you know, I, it might not even be a reflex thing. It, it might just be the fact that I was might have been, you know, a little more fearless back then or something. I don't True. know. Yeah, yeah. You know, the confidence and and, and fearless level is, is probably probably different. But you know, um, overall, you know, not a lot has changed. But I, you know, I just remember being that age and um, you know crashing or, or making mistakes that you know that that never even entered your mind. So. I think uh, no matter what age you are, uh, if you're learning to fly 3D, if you if you have that kind of mentality of not being scared about anything and, and you know, fully committed with everything you do, then um, I don't think it matters how old you are. And honestly, the reflexes probably don't matter either, because uh, if you're in tune with the airplane, you won't need to uh, correct anything in the first place. Yeah, that's true. Well, this leads into the, the next question that uh, came from another guy by the name of Belint Banco. Big name, a good guy, a member of my local flying club. He said, what motivates you to keep on going with aero modeling? Yeah, it's uh, overall, it's a natural thing. Um, you know, I think uh, it's a combination of, uh, you know, being able to continue building on all the great memories I've been able to do. And then a combination of a lot of ideas I have for the future too. So, uh, you know, those, those two things combined and then just the natural passion for it, you know, being, you know, just every day thinking of something, um, you know, having that, that itch to, to go out and fly something. Um, so I think overall it's pretty natural. Um, but if you break it down, it's, you know, it, it, it's done a lot of good things for me and, and I think there's still more to come. So, um, yeah, but for the most part, I think it's just a, a natural passion thing. Would you be getting out and flying every day now, or what's your flying regiment look like? No, I, you know, there's for multiple uh, variety of reasons. You know, I, I can't fly every day, but um, I, I think most of the stick time comes on the simulator for sure. Um, you know, a lot of foamies, uh, you know, a lot of testing with the JTA stuff, and then a lot of promotion stuff. Um, but I try to fly the bigger airplanes, you know, every now and then, whenever the weather's good, whenever I have some time. Uh, fortunately, the weather allows uh, 
uh, for that a little more than in the past. So, um, and it, we're in a convenient location. So, um, but as much as possible, I, I tried not to force it. You know, I think if you fly a lot, you might get burnt out a little bit. So, um, there, there are some periods where, you know, if I go two weeks without touching a radio, I, I've got a, even a little bit more of an itch to, to go fly than if I would have been flying every day. So, um, I don't think it's a bad thing to uh, to take breaks for sure. Uh, I just think you know, simulator or foamy or something like that is is good enough to to keep the muscle memory up. How often are you getting on the sim? Uh, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit actually. I would say um, on average, at least like thirty minutes to an hour every other day. But that's on average. If, yeah. If it's any different than that, it'll be, you know, a half hour every day. Just, But it's not like a set schedule. You know, I, I tell people there's there's not a, um, a schedule I go by. It's just something where if I have a little bit of time, it's something I want to do. You know, if I've got a little bit of downtime and uh, it's something that, that pops in my head that, that I want to do. So uh, it's just a, it's not like, uh, you know, I have a, a set schedule or like, oh, I got to practice this or got to try to learn this maneuver you know um it might have been a little more of that you know when i um first started to fly and it's probably a little more along those lines when i have a, a contest coming up and i'm practicing a routine or or uh, trying to put a routine together then then i'll probably have a little more of a schedule um on and more of a direction of what i have to do but um if there's not a contest, then it's mostly just whenever I feel like it or whenever I want to. Yeah. What what size plane would you predominantly be flying? Like, you know, if you had to track your flights, you know, is it a 100cc or a 60-inch or what? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, the smaller, smaller electric stuff is probably uh, what I would fly the most, anywhere from a foamy to like a, a 6S, 60-inch size airplane like you mentioned. So um you know having the uh this smaller runway here at the house that's that's closest to the house helps out with that a little bit um and then from there it's probably like a 120 cc size but but yeah i would say overall mostly like a uh 6s uh airplane or something like that 6s electric yeah you did mention that to me in the past and i often tell people you know I listen to you, Jason. I learn from you. I people I say, you know, Jace once said to me that if you can fly the maneuvers on the small planes, then flying it on the bigger planes is going to be a lot easier because it's a more stable platform and all that kind of stuff. And you'd mentioned to me, yeah, again for sure, yeah. yeah. You mentioned to me, like you said earlier, with flying the the, the little you know JTA profile foamies uh, and how they can be more aggressive than a balsa plane. So if you can if you can be precise with the little little. Uh, uh, foamy. You, uh, have you ever tried? You know, is it F three P the indoor uh, aerobatic, like air, indoor iMac? We'll call it. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> it's amazing how they look. Yeah. I, I just think I'd be crashing into walls and stuff like that. But um, it's it's one of those things. Yeah. I think it's it's a very European thing because of the long winters and they they want to keep on flying. So they go indoors. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I played around a little bit with it. Like probably. Uh, 12 to 15 years ago before it got super, super crazy uh, regarding technology. I played around with a little bit uh, back then 
Um, but nowadays it's, I think you've got to be extremely talented and experienced to, uh, design, construct and assemble something like that. And, uh, I think for the opportunities, uh, for where I'm located are so limited for something like that. I don't think it would be worth to, uh, put the time into that. Uh, like you said, it's, it's a big thing in Europe. Uh, they've got a lot of indoor halls and, and uh, facilities that they host uh, competitions in. So they're still able to do the F3P stuff over there. I think the United States still has a, a pretty solid F3P team um, that, that travels to Europe every now and then to compete. Uh, but it's definitely a big European thing, and the technology's come such a long ways that, um, you know, someone just jumping into it now, it would probably take a couple years to, uh, to catch up. Um, but yeah, probably about, you know, you know, like I said, a little over a decade ago, I, I played around with it a little bit before the technology became crazy. You know, back then it was still a normal foamy construction with Depron and carbon fiber. Now it's, you know, pretty much zero foam at all. Um, so, but the, the flying style, it's, it's really impressive, uh, especially to see them in person and, uh, being able to, uh, get a, close-up look at their setups. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's a lot on the horizon for you. Uh, have you have you been sent a, a plane from Flex yet? Have you got a 100cc coming or? Uh... Yep, yep. I'm, I'm actually uh, looking at uh, the box for the uh, 70cc Ultimate that just showed up today. It just showed up like an hour ago. Oh, really? Uh, FedEx dropped it off, so I'm excited to uh, get that going. Um, and then um, kind of waiting on the new edge to, to come in. I think it'll be in. Uh, possibly uh, they'll be receiving them next week, uh, possibly. Um, so once that airplane comes in, I'm uh, probably going to make a trip to meet halfway uh, to pick up a, a load of stuff to, just to kind of make it simple, pick everything up at once. But uh, So that'll be convenient. Uh basically pick up a trailer load of airplanes uh, and then we can we can get going at full speed there but um but right now i've got the uh 70cc uh, ultimate that showed up and uh, of course the uh the little uh, yak 55 uh that runs on 6s i posted a, a couple uh short bits of content on social media recently and and that's a fun plane to uh uh to throw around in the backyard for sure. Yeah, we saw some videos already. So uh, you're doing a good job for the brand and um, well done to Flex for, for getting you on board. Well, Jace, we've covered a lot of ground. I'm not sure whether there's anything more to cover at this point in time. So <laughs> we might call, you know, normally I finish with uh, the question as what has been your favorite model, but I, I've already had you on. So I don't know what, what question to end in. You know, what has been your favorite event so far? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think as far as events goes, um, you know, Joe Nall is always one. It's, it's a, the biggest one in the United States. Everyone goes to it. So it's a good opportunity to catch up with everyone. Uh, the variety of airplanes is pretty awesome. Um, you know, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, the FXFC last year is pretty sweet just because of the opportunity, you know, to go to the location and everything that was involved there. But it's hard to pick a, a single event, you know, everywhere you go, you, you meet different people. 
um, see different airplanes. Uh, the facilities are always cool to, to check out the different flying fields and everything. So uh, that's really hard to say. It's really hard to pinpoint. Um, but I don't know. I think, you know, being able to uh, attend new events uh, is always cool too. Being able to attend fresh events always kind of uh, gets high on the list because it's something new and fresh. So it's hard to say. Maybe, maybe my favorite event will be somewhere in Australia. Uh, I was just thinking, like, Jace, I'm telling you, <laughs> you're coming down. You're going to come and stay with me. We're going to go up to my holiday house. We're going, you know, we'll just we'll go and ride the jet ski. We'll just go and do everything, and you're going to have a great there time. Like, I've, I'm, there's an event that I know some friends of mine are organising in November. So if you're free in November, come down. We're going to have an aerobatic fun fly event, and we'll get you down. But um, right. uh, look, if you ever came down, be phenomenal it'd be it'd be people would oh, love I'd, you. I'd, I'd love to that'd be fantastic go and see some kangaroos and stuff like that <laughs> there we go <laughs> yeah well you know that's what we're gonna do. well i can come visit you we're gonna visit some gators oh yeah yeah you're more than welcome anytime i know <laughs> i know i feel like i would be welcome and be great to see you there so anyway jace the ace Ducia, you're a legend congratulations on the move to flex uh Thank hope that you. all turns Thanks out well much. and and it's just going to be so interesting to see how how that all progresses for you and for the brand. So um, well done to sure. everyone involved. So, Jace Ducia, thanks for joining me once again. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's an honor, Andrew. And I'm, I'm really glad we were able to catch up a little bit. It's, it's been, been too long for sure. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted, and what an episode it has been. I really enjoyed catching up with Jace, and I put it on my bucket list to go and visit Jace in America. Um, I've been looking at where he lives, I'm working out permutations of how I can get there and when, because I might be going to the US for work. I'm like, oh, I could go down there maybe, just working things out. But anyway. He's a great guy and um, a great role model in the hobby as well. I wish him all the best with his new role with Flex Innovations. No doubt he will try his best and rep to represent that brand and keep on continuing to forge a career in aero modelling. Don't forget, he's got the JTA range of models as well. So take a look at those on, on the web as well because they look pretty good for profile foamy. So doing a good job. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast. If you have, don't forget to subscribe to the RC Podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And YouTube, I had a look at what the last video I did, the Bandsdale one. I actually didn't mind the way I shot that video. I'm very, very picky. I work in the marketing field and I'm very picky the way that I shoot things. That wasn't too bad. So get on the YouTube channel and don't forget Facebook as well and Instagram or something happening in the flat out RC world. Hope there's a lot happening in your world. You're keeping active, getting out there, you're building new models, getting out there and flying, getting ready to go to some of these events. Might see the Wang Jets event. If you're there, say good day. I know a lot of the guys in the way, but uh, look forward to heading on down there, seeing some jet action, and hopefully bring some of the action to you. So, we'll talk soon. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs>